How do you define yourself? Do you start with your gender, your race, your religion, your politics? My expert today would tell you any of those are the wrong things to start with. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Sarah Ting. Sarah is the author of The Sun Poem, as well as president and founder of World Unity, Inc. She specializes in promoting diversity, equity, and inclusion by raising awareness of yourself first. And it accomplishes some of this by using the increasingly rare skill of critical thinking. Also, we had a bit of a connection issue and one of our computers throwing alerts pretty early on. I've cut as many of those as I could, and I've lessened the audio levels of the rest. Pro tip to would-be podcasters out there, make sure your guests are either wearing headphones or have silenced their alerts before starting the interview. See? I'm learning just like all of you. Let's put our humanity first. Welcome to the show, Sarah Ting. Well, thank you, Colton, for being on your wonderful show. Yes, I'm so excited to have you with us today. Why don't you give the audience an introduction to yourself? I am the president and founder of World Unity, Inc., a diversity and inclusion educator, trainer, consultant, TEDx speaker, author of three books, and some might say visionary, because I seem to get these ideas and then Think of these ideas being spread, not just in Boston, Massachusetts, or America, but across the world. And you have a very interesting like ability to, to speak you know, about diversity and inclusion and you know, the opportunities that's given you. Can you tell us more about it? Yes, again, thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your wonderful program and for the work that you are doing to help people become more knowledgeable about different subject matters. Obviously, I'm a woman of color. You can see me. I'm a woman. That, I would say, was a big part of helping me become more involved in this space of DEI. I would say the Sun poem is what changed my life and really immersed me in this field of DEI. The poem reads as follows. Are you greater than the sun that shines on everyone? Black brown, yellow, red, and white, the sun does not discriminate. So that poem actually is the focus of a TED Talk. Do you know what TED Talks are? Yeah. And so that poem changed my life. It's, it's the inspiration for the founding of World Unique in 1994. And our mission to promote equality, diversity, inclusion, by raising self-awareness through the Sun poem and empowering and inspiring individuals through the arts, education, and innovative ideas. And so we, one of our initiatives is to actually build the first landmark promoting equality for all people by showcasing the Sun poem. We have a beautiful design concept. It has been accepted to be part of a development here in, in Massachusetts. And the poem is also returning to a song, 
and the song was performed at the United Nations by children. The title of the song is We All See the Stars. The children love this song, Colton. One, one student said when he sings it, it makes him feel like he can do anything. And another student said one day the world will hear this song and it will stop discrimination. I also have to tell you that this year we launched our first, no, not first, we launched our second national public service campaign promoting equality for all people by displaying the sun poem on digital billboards. Colton, we received the donation of 60, 60 digital billboards to put up the sun poem. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. And here's the thing. When I reached out to these companies, I was only asking them space for one, one space to put up the poem. One company said, we'll give you nine. Nine? Land of Georgia, we'll give you 10. Kansas City, we'll give you 10. We even got the poem up on Little Rock, Arkansas, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's incredible. So where do we get started? Like, where does the conversation start to, you know, inform people about the value of diversity and, you know, how we can intentionally put value behind it? As I said, I, I am a diversity, inclusion educator and trainer. And so the question you ask is a very important question. Where we get started is we all have to be willing to look inside ourselves. Let me ask you a question, Colton. Okay. Do you know of a law, policy, or technology that can remove bias from a person? Take it out of the person? Does that exist? Not to my knowledge. It will never exist. Think about this, Colton. If such a law, policy, or technology could exist, well, then why don't we remove, remove dishonesty from a person? Why don't we remove homophobia from a person? Why don't we remove misogyny from a person? It will never exist. There's called character. You cannot put character into a person. We each have to develop our own character. To develop our character means what are the values we hold as a human being? Do we cherish integrity? Honesty, kindness, treating people fairly, treating a fellow human being like a fellow human beings. What are the values each of us hold? We have to begin with ourselves. So where do you start? I mean, what's the, like, what does the first conversation sound like? Well, if you use the poem, the sun poem, as a tool for a conversation, like you just said, what if you brought this poem to a group of, of friends and said, hey, what do you think about this poem? The poem opens up with, are you greater than the sun? That shines on everyone, black, brown, yellow, red, and white. The sun does not discriminate. Presented, and everybody has to kind of answer that question and start a conversation. Now, individually, if each of us reflected on it before we began our day, Am I greater than the sun? Of course not, I'm not. Well, how am I going to treat Colton or anyone else who's different than me? And that's where we have to be honest with ourselves. Do I see myself as being superior? We all know that we're not all billionaires. And we all don't have PhD degrees. And I respect people who have PhD degrees because it took a lot of work. 
in dedication, maybe seven, eight, ten years. However, if someone doesn't have a PhD degree, does that make them inferior? We have to be able to remember the sun shines on all of us. Is there any religion that's superior to another religion? Because the sun shines on all the religions. Is there a nation that's superior? The sun shines on all the nations. Is it, well, I'm just going to shine on America. The rest of you nations, too bad you're going to be in the shade. <laughs> yeah, it seems very much like, you know, you put the universal before everything else, right? Like the sun reaches all of us. We're all people before we're, you know, anything else that might make us unique, but doesn't make us better than anyone else. It's a beautiful way that you put it, Colton. Start out with the universal. We are all human beings first, and our differences are the beauty of who we are. It is not supposed to be a liability that I'm a woman. This is the way I was born. It's not supposed to be a liability that I happen to be Asian and Chinese. This is who I am. Can you get any simpler than that? (laughs) Yeah, it was great. I mean, we were talking before the show and you had said, you know, like the way to introduce yourself is like, you know, I am human and also this identifying characteristic and not like, you know, here's the identifying characteristic first because it it does create kind of an off-putting conversation where you're like, well, I like, yeah, you introduced yourself as, you know, I'm gay. And you're like, okay, I'm not. And I don't know how to enter this conversation now. Perfect. What you just said. Perfect. Because I'm so you, to me, I would have to, the way I would try to enter that conversation. Well, okay, that's great. And, and you and I are fellow human beings. To so bring in the universality, bring in the humanity. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think we all get into these conversations a lot where people kind of, you know, they introduce the things that make them unique, which is great. You want to get to know people, but it's it's very hard to connect with the unique. You don't want to lead with that. I had a very interesting conversation with a gentleman last night, and his father said to him once, when you talk to people, see if they're ready to laugh. I love that. Be ready to laugh. Don't you love that? Be ready to laugh. Like, who doesn't like humor and laughter? Raise your hand. We all, and that's universal. Can you imagine one culture that says, we don't like to laugh? Yeah, we as, we as a culture hate joy in any format. <laughs> right? It's like, if you think about it, Colton, humanity, we have so many wonderful qualities. Joy, laughter, kindness, compassion, generosity. All these wonderful qualities live in our humanity. They don't live in our race or our gender or our sexual orientation. Am I wrong? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Is that kind of like, is that the trick to creating, you know, a culture that welcomes everybody is just to say like, you know, we are a human first culture. Right. Rooted in your humanity. And clearly there there are diverse cultures. So you get rooted in your humanity and whatever culture you have, yes, celebrate it. Celebrate. Cultures have different foods, different language. 
different music. We can learn and appreciate everybody's diverse culture. However, we need to be rooted in our humanity as well. Because some of us, we could appreciate the culture, but if we're not really also rooted in our humanity, we might appreciate the song, but we don't like the, the we don't like the person. We just like the song. I mean, clearly right now, Asians are facing increased discrimination. Now let's think about this, Colton. Chinese food has been in America for how long? How long? A long time, right? Yeah, forever. Right? <laughs> right? People like Chinese food. Well, how come you don't like what's with this increased discrimination? And Asian Americans have been in the country since the 1800s. They helped build the transcontinental radio. Railroad. <laughs> transcontinental radio. That's funny. Transcontinental railroad. Yeah, I mean, certainly. And it's, are we allowing, you know, geopolitical things to kind of like stain our, our image of other just people out there day to day? I, I think what the question you're raising I think it speaks to a bigger question, Colton, which is, do we do critical thinking? When we listen to all of these geopolitical conversations and all these different places of conflict in the world, how are we assessing them? And how does it speak to our day-to-day -day life? Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, we hear stories for the last couple of years, we've heard like, oh, you know, Russia is engaging in this offensive, but we shouldn't allow that to, you know, make us think any less of a person who happens to be Russian. Like they have nothing to do with that decision. They don't have a vote that they cast on their phone. Like they just happen to be from Russia and they now, you know, live here in the US with us and they work alongside us. Like, why does that, that news color who they are at all that's a perfect example what you gave colton how we have to do critical thinking and separate in the politics from this person that we just met this person if they happen to be russian did they make the decision to go to war and if they're here in america well imagine how they must feel that if they're a russian immigrant and seeing what their country is doing to another country. I think it's very, very difficult and challenging for all of us because obviously, unless you're a politician and you're in a position of power, whether it's city, state, or federal government, we have to abide by decisions that politicians make and the laws. That doesn't mean that we don't speak out if we see some an injustice and if we feel that our mayor governor senator we don't agree with them that's what democracy is all about to, to speak out in a respectful way not in a condemning way in a respectful way we need to be able to have conversations where we're open to different points of view i always say to all of my friends hey, everybody's entitled to their opinion. There's your opinion, my opinion, and then there's the truth. Yeah, <laughs> that's right? an excellent way of looking at things. There's everybody's opinion, and then there's the truth. There's everybody's opinion, and then there's what is the right decision to make that's for the greater good. 
the greater good. Does it serve any community if half the community is suffering and in poverty? How does that help any community? Well, and I have to imagine if we take a step back and we look at it, you know, from the opposite side, if you are part of this disenfranchised group that just suddenly, you know, became part of the news cycle, does that feel like walking around with a target on your back? You know, I know there was there was an entire thing around the start of COVID that became like the Stop Asian Hate Movement because people were just targeting indiscriminately anyone who seemed vaguely Asian. And I'm like, I can't imagine, you know, living with that kind of target on your back for nothing. You literally were involved in nothing at all. And, you know, still people still people are, are making these quick decisions and jumps in logic about who you are and what you do. Right. Thank you for bringing that example up because obviously right now the relationship between U.S. and China isn't so great either. And as that begins to deteriorate, how are Asian Americans going to be treated? Yeah, I mean, very much. And there is, I think, a, a wider racism at play where, you know, I have a, a very good friend of mine is Korean and people are like, you know, the Chinese guy over here. And he's like, it's not, I'm not even from the same country, <laughs> like, but we don't, nobody takes the time to stop and just, and discern that fact. They don't stop him and be like, Hey, hold on. What's your ethnicity? Because that's a very strange way to start any conversation as well. <laughs> right. And like, again, fellow human being and oh, yes, they are of Asian descent. So wanting to learn about the person versus alienating the person or making them feel like you're not welcomed in this conversation or where we are right now, go away. Each person, again, each person has to look inside themselves. If you don't want to welcome another human being, just even be on the same space walking somewhere or food shopping, you have to ask yourself, what's going on with me? guarantee you that kind of person is not a happy camper not happy and not at peace with himself herself their self we are all human beings first we are connected and think of it this way i remember reading this it stayed with me a person who assumed that your friend was chinese they are breathing the same air as that person who's korean you are breathing the same air you're already connected yeah, I mean, as much as I don't want to like prejudge anyone, there is some kind of poison inside of you if you look at a stranger that you have zero information about and immediately can judge them. Yeah, it, we, we just have to cultivate culture. What we have to do is everybody has to find their daily practice to put them in a space of compassion understanding and love everybody has I, I do my own routine and ritual where I do prayers I do affirmations and I actually have a bible that's organized by days I don't belong to any organized religion however I have a deep deep faith in God and the way I see it each of us have to develop our own daily practice that can cultivate a mindset and a heart where we value ourselves 
and one another. We treat one another with respect, kindness, generosity. And generosity doesn't have to be just about money. Generosity of our time, generosity of our health, if we can help. There's many, many ways we can support each other that doesn't require money. In fact, I would even venture to say for some people, they rather give their money than give their time. <laughs> it's easier, write a check, than give their time. And if you think about it, you sometimes if you give your time, it helps you learn more about that organization and their mission and exposes you to more diversity. It may be people that you don't normally come in contact with. I mean, any meaningful conversation you have just adds, I think, more to the lens that you see life through, right? Because if I start trying to look at things from a much more, we'll just say humanity first lens, like that changes the way that I look at things because otherwise, like if I'm never exposed to a humanity first perspective, like I'm looking from, you know, whatever I started with, if it's very like self-centered or if it's very like, what do I gain from this? Yeah, that's a very different way to enter a conversation than if you just have this conversation that just says, look at people as humans first. Exactly. So the other question I've been asking, as I said to you, the first question, is there a law, policy, technology that can remove people's biases? No. The second question, we all have more than one identity. There's probably eight major identities. There's your race, your gender sexual orientation, human being is an identity, your economic status, your religion or non-religion, your political identity, and then either you're physically able or disabled. Those are the eight major identities. Would you agree? It certainly sounds like it encompasses a lot. Right, eight. The question becomes this, which identity are you rooted in first? That's very interesting because you don't you don't necessarily think about like what what your core identity is. You just kind of live, I guess, that life unconsciously. You said the key word, Colton. You just live it unconsciously. Let me give let me tell you the answers I've gotten from people to help you understand this. Okay, one person, retired attorney, he said. He was rooted in his class first. I said, okay, when does human being kick in? He said he did not know. He wasn't being funny. That was his answer. Another woman who happened to be white and a lesbian, she said she was rooted in her race first. Not in her sexual race. Another woman who happened to be Asian, she said she was rooted in her gender first, being a woman, not her race. This is going to blow your mind. And then she said, I stopped being a person. How does that happen? Personhood is inclusive of all the other identities. If I had time to continue the conversation, she I was on the phone with her and she had people standing in front of her. So I had to let her go. She said she had to go. I would have said this to her if I, if I could have continued the conversation. With all due respect, I don't think you stopped being a person. I think you forgot your person. It goes back to the point you said. We just unconsciously lead with whatever identity we're living in. Like you said, unconscious. 
so we have to be conscious we're a human being first. And as a human being, what does that mean? Yeah, it almost seems like we are trying to find a greater identity by going by narrowing, you know, the way that we're looking at something. Like, okay, I, I feel lost, like humanity is too big for me. So I'm gonna pick something very narrow. And then if I define myself by that, I know I at least have people around me that I can say like, oh, that's the same definition as me. And that is ironically kind of making things significantly harder for us to connect to other people. Like we've chosen a path, even say like it, we're very politically charged here in the U S and people seem to pick like, I am exclusively this thing. I associate with those people and the other side just doesn't get me. And you're like that, like that narrows down your ability to connect to people extremely harshly. I love what you just described, Colton. All this goes back to consciousness and awareness. In my workshop, and I wrote this book, the small book of the big idea, the key to a fulfilling life. You, you cannot change anything about yourself unless you are self-aware. And if you want you to be successful in moving forward, you, self-awareness is key. Yeah, it seems like we are currently doing the opposite which isn't bad like we kind of shun you know out loud bias but we in doing so are not giving ourselves i guess enough of a chance to look inside and see that unconscious bias that might be building in one direction or another because of the way that we are you know choosing to shun the out loud version yeah and as we all know people don't like to be uncomfortable the reality is you don't grow from comfort. The reality is you grow when you're uncomfortable. Forget about the topic of race. If everybody thinks about their experience in school and education, were there math problems that really made you uncomfortable? You couldn't solve and your spelling words, I can't spell like you're upset and it's like making you uncomfortable? Of course. Why is it then with this other subject matter? No, 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 it's making us uncomfortable. We gotta have it be comfortable. The American history, yes, there's lots of part of our American history that's very uncomfortable and ugly. Denying it, again, there's the truth and there's everybody's opinion. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, first of all, it's it's behind us. Why are we afraid to face the truth? It's behind us. Are we afraid that we're going to repeat it and do it again? Well, we shouldn't be doing it again. That's why we need to learn about the past, so we don't do it again. I mean, very much so. Like, if what's the saying? You know, if you don't learn lessons from your past, you're doomed to repeat yourself. And that's just like a learning perspective if you walk outside and make mistakes socially every day but you don't learn from your social mistakes like you're going to continue to be a very socially awkward person <laughs> yeah right and i love the fact that you said mistakes because that is true we're all going to make mistakes even those in the field of dei even though the experts because that's part of the human conditioning none of us are perfect we need to learn from one another. 
and the mistake is part of being human. Do you know that there's a song, I can't remember the title of it, but there's a line in the song, I'm only human, born to make mistakes. Do you know, do you remember that line in a song? I wish I could remember the title of the song, but it, it's a line in a song, I'm only human, born to make mistakes. Does that sound? It sounds familiar. I can't place it, but yeah. It's a great line. We're all human and we're, we have to learn from our mistakes and don't crucify somebody because they made a mistake. Most people, when they wake up, they don't start their day. When they're going to work today, let's see, who do I want to discriminate today? I think I'll do the Latinos. And tomorrow, no, most people, they wake up, they want to go to work with no stress. They want to do their job. They don't go with the intentions of looking who they want to discriminate. It's unconscious. That means you don't, first of all, Colton, it's two steps. You don't even know you have it, and you don't even know you're doing it. Yeah, it's very much like no one would go into work and say, how can I make this harder for myself today? Exactly. <laughs> right? I love what you just said. How can I make my day harder? Let's see. Why don't I stir up conflict yeah. with my peers? And on that See, same measure, like people would be more willing to work on that unconscious bias if they know it is in fact making their day much harder. If I'm like, hey, you could make your day 20% better and all I need you to do is not attack the Latinos today. <laughs> exactly. I, I love you. If you know that you can make your life 20% easier if you become aware and work on your unconscious biases. I love that what you said. Thank you. It's just a very easy, straightforward way to look at things. You know, if I have, because personally, I have no experience in this field. Like, okay, well, then how do I understand the concept? Well, the concept is like, it's making your life harder by making you, you know, a much more shallow person. Like, okay, well, then how do I reverse it? Like, don't just do the opposite. Got it. <laughs> exactly. The key content, like the poem, it does require people going inside and being honest with oneself. That's where the hard work is. Can we be honest with ourselves? And I tell people, look, no one's a terrible person when you discover a bias. It is part of the human conditioning. When I do my workshops, Colton, I actually tell everybody how I discovered bias I had toward the Asian people, Japanese to be specific. Does everybody know about World War II and what the Japanese did to the Chinese country? My father was living there at the time of the war. And needless to say, he witnessed his people in his country being bombed. And China was defenseless. They didn't have any airplanes to retaliate. So needless to say, yes, he had deep, deep feelings of not liking the Japanese people. And I didn't realize I had picked them up and learned them. And I realized that we all have different biases within ourselves. No one is a terrible human being. All it means is you have work to do on yourself. That's all it means. Yeah, I mean, it's very much two sides of a coin, right? Like no one's inherently a terrible person just just because they the, you know, the biases they've acquired over time. 
likewise, no one out here is perfect. If you're trying to compare yourself to other people or, you know, you're not doing work on yourself because you think you can't get to somebody else's level, like they didn't just show up there. <laughs> right. It, it takes work. And when people become uh, what we would consider an expert in their particular field, it didn't happen overnight. They they were willing to put the time and the effort and the work. And they're doing it because they want to serve and help other people in that particular subject matter. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems, you know, going back to some of the some of the way we politicize things that I have heard stories and I don't know how true they are, but hopefully you can kind of speak to some of this are some companies or organizations moving away from the term specifically DEI because of the ways it's been used, or is that kind of like misinformation in itself? Well, obviously I can't speak for companies and the decisions that they make. Ultimately, when companies make decisions, clearly the person at the top plays a vital role in making these decisions. So that's why I always say, ultimately, it's the individual. The more work you do on yourself, cultivating and understanding this very complex issue, then it will benefit you, not only in your personal life, your professional life as well. Ultimately, all these companies, whatever decisions they make, it's going to be based on leadership and their understanding of DEI and how it benefits the organization, the service or product that they put out, the customers they serve, the community that they exist in. And this is the piece that sometimes I think companies might forget. I think it's great. And many companies do have strong DEI practices and strategies. However, the companies reside in a community. And whatever they do in DEI, that's their values. It's not their mission. Their mission is selling a product, service, world unique. We are a nonprofit. That's our mission. To me, there needs to be more of a collaborative effort of nonprofit and businesses working together to address this issue because you tell me, Colton, do you think one or two companies are going to solve this problem or one nonprofit or two? How many do you think is going to solve this problem? It's going to take a lot more than one or two. Right? I don't know what the magic number is, but I would even say it's going to take more than 12. Yeah, certainly. I had seen an article that I initially thought, I was like, this is the silliest thing I've ever heard. Because I was prepping, you know, trying to make sure I was I was up to date for this interview we were going to do. And I just opened my phone and looked up DEI. Because I was like, well, let me see if I have like the right base to work on. And I see an article that says, in quotes, DEI is dead. And my initial gut reaction is, that is maybe the single dumbest thing I've ever heard because you can't kill like a concept. And then my brain kicks over as I'm like looking at the article. It's like, oh, it's talking about the branding of the movement and not like the concept itself. And so I had like a real 
a real struggle in my brain to try and like reconcile those two ideas together. Thank you for sharing what you just did, Colton, because again, you did critical thinking. That's what we all have to do when we reach something. Go through the process like what you did, critical thinking. And I would just add, whoever wrote this, okay, so he, she, they offered a perspective, opinion. Is what they're saying the gospel truth? Absolutely not. Right? I that That was a pretty bold statement, and I agree with you. How can you say a concept is dead? Who said that? Yeah. How do you kill a concept? Democracy is a concept. Countries, nations are at war. Democracy. When did? How can you kill democracy? Liberty is a is a concept. Equality is a concept. How how do you kill concepts? Show me. It's very much like saying, you know, uh, sunshine is dead. <laughs> you know, right. Like, uh, we decided, you know, because excessive sun is bad for you. We're just going to say that, like the the concept of sunshine is dead, and right. it's like that's right? absolutely the silliest way we could talk about this, right? No, I'm so glad you brought up that article and and applaud you for doing the critical thinking and sharing with us. It's a perfect example. We all have to exercise critical thinking. Most importantly, we have to cultivate an open mind, a willingness to have these difficult conversations have the courage to speak the truth and not only say things that you think is politically correct. Absolutely. Well, I think this has been a fantastic conversation. I think you've given us a lot to think about and really given us an easy way to look at life, you know, moving forward from today, even if you just hear this and try it today, give it a shot. I think you'll find it's remarkably easy, but I wanted to make sure I gave you Sarah some time to talk about the things you work on and where people can find you if they're looking for more from you. Thank you so much, Colton, again, for inviting me on your program and doing a lengthy conversation. So World Unity Inc., if you go to worldunityinc.org, you can actually see my TED Talk. And I hope that people take the time to listen and leave a comment. I welcome your comment and share it. We all have the opportunity to be change agents. Just sharing that, the TED Talk. I also have another website where you can receive information about three books that I wrote called asthesun.net, asthesun.net. And you'll see information about three books that I wrote. And I'm actually going to give people my email address. If people want to email me their comments, Sarah, S-A-R-A, Ting, T-I-N-G, at asthesun.net. I welcome comments. And thank you again, Colton, for the opportunity to be on your program and the wonderful questions you asked me. Oh, I wish you success in, all, in your continued interviews. <laughs> it's absolutely my pleasure having you here. I appreciate it immensely, having your time and your perspective. This was fantastic. I think humanity first is an interesting perspective, but do any of you see flaws in it? We've got some updated rankings. Number one, the United States, with Texas, Virginia, and Oregon now as top states. Number two, the United Kingdom, with England up at the top. 
Number three, Canada, with Ontario dominating. Number four, Egypt. Wow. Welcome to the top five for, I think, the first time ever. And number five, Australia, now led by New South Wales. That's it for this week. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you all back here for the next episode. Until the next episode, please do all those things that help the show. Rate, review, like, subscribe. Remember, you can email me at dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or reach out to me personally on any of the social media. Most importantly, stay dumb.